Welcome. We are glad that you are here. Um, we're going to dive right in because of just what we ground we got to cover. But um, if you are new to um, the church or Christianity, or you're going, I just want to check this thing out, um, then, then today is a good one when we kind of peel back the curtain a little bit on what we're saved to. When we talk about being rescued by Jesus, when we talk about what this life is, um, then, then there's a piece of this where today really pulls back the curtain and goes, this is who we're supposed to be. And so if you're here and you go, I don't know about Jesus, I don't, I, I'm just testing the one. Welcome. We're glad you're here, but just know that what you're going to get is a sneak peek of, uh, of what the church family, when we say we're the church family, um, what we're supposed to look like, feel like, move like. Um, we are heading into a new series called Storehouse. Uh, the idea behind this um, is that words are extremely important. That, that words matter. What comes out of your mouth matters. And, and kind of like what you saw in the video where everything is black and white, but your words add color. Your words are what bring it to life, so to speak. And, and the idea is that when you speak to someone else, that the words that you choose to speak can add color to their life. They can bring their life to life with your words of life. And so along with that, though, there's also the reality that you saw at the end when the color gets stripped away, that, that there is a reality to this, that the words that you choose can also strip the color out of someone else's life, that the words that you choose can actually do the opposite of, of what you're hoping to be. So, so even in the, the creation of what we're calling storehouse and, and what the video looks like, the idea is that some of this cements in our heads that when we use our words, they are so vital that every single one of them counts that every single one of them matters. And so we're going to rally around a verse um, that we're calling a series verse that we're, we're just going to anchor into and say, this is this every week, this is our launch point. And so if you have a Bible, you'll find it in Luke chapter six. Luke chapter six. And in Luke chapter six, Jesus is speaking. And in verse 43, it picks up this way. No good tree bears bad fruit, nor does a bad tree bear good fruit. Each tree is recognized by its own fruit. People do not pick figs from thorn bushes or grapes from briars. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. Another translation says that, that out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. The, the, the picture, the image is a container that in this container, it's reached its capacity and what is spilling over the container is what in this context is what the mouth speaks. So your soul, your core of who you are, that is the container. What it is full of, the mouth will speak. Another example picture would be this, that if you go to a drinking fountain to get a drink, the pipes that get the water there, all they're doing is directing what's already there. They're directing the water to where you want it. The same as your mouth directs what is already there. So, so in, in conversations where, where we're rallying around this is we're saying the mouth speaks. Did you know that when it comes to speech, speech is nothing but breath. 
And so what happens is you take in, you take in breath, you take in air, right? And as you breathe it back out, you have what's called a speech apparatus and all of your speech apparatus, your, your mouth, your throat, your nasal cavity, it all manipulates to a certain shape. And that's how you get the sounds that we call speech. So every time you speak, every time you speak, what you're doing is you're breathing out. And when you breathe out, the sounds, the audible sounds that are created come from the manipulation of your speech apparatus on the air. The mouth speaks. For you to stop speaking would be to stop breathing. It's impossible for us to go, okay, I'm just not going to speak no more. It doesn't work that way. You're still going to speak. And in the context of this then, kind of rallying around the whole series, we're going, okay, when your mouth speaks, we probably should pay attention to what our mouth is doing because what our mouth is saying is a reflection of what the container is full of. My mom used to have a saying, and I never liked it. Um, She used to say, what goes in must come out, garbage in, garbage out. I was like, mom, that's not true. Like, I can take this in and I'll be fine. But the, the reality is what you take in fills your container. What you saturate yourself with will saturate what comes out of your mouth. And so in the context of where we're going today, that we're, we're going to rally around this idea that, that words matter, that God thinks an awful lot about the words we use, and he has a whole lot to say about how we use words. And so if you have a, a Bible, turn to Ephesians Ephesians is later in the New Testament. If you're new to the Bible, it's towards the, the back end. But in Ephesians um, chapter 4, there's a context that's been laid. So the first three chapters of Ephesians, Paul is writing to a church at Ephesus. Um, and so Paul, on behalf of God, is instructing this church on how to live. But before he gets to instructing them, he takes the first three chapters and he just keeps telling them, hey, you met this Jesus, this is what's true of you. So you met Jesus, you're loved. You met Jesus, you're forgiven. You met Jesus, you're blessed. You met Jesus, you've got grace. You met Jesus, you've been put in a family. Like over and over for three chapters, all he's done is says, this is who you are. That if you've come into relationship with Jesus, you surrender to Jesus, you put your trust in him, then now all these things are true of you. So church family, the first three chapters are all about who he's made us to be. And it's in that context then that when he gets to chapter four, he hasn't said anything about living because your living always comes from who you are, not what you do. So he's, he's grounded them in who you are. And now he says, okay, now as those people, this is what I want to be true of you. And so then in Ephesians chapter four, verse 29, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. And I was like, man, unwholesome. That is a weird word. We do not use that word a whole, I don't walk around going, Hey, that's unwholesome. Um, but the idea behind it is this. You, you, ever, you ever have an animal that died? You ever have an, and not like a pet. I mean like a, a mouse that you didn't know was there, right? And it gets behind your cabinet and it dies. How do you notice it's there? Because you smell it, right? All of a sudden there's this smell of death, this stench of rotting flesh that, that begins to arise. The, the idea, like this week for me, so I, I'm outside in my yard and... 
If you passed my house, you saw giant piles of leaves because Lord knows I haven't cleaned the leaves under my deck for four years, right? So we're getting the leaves out because there's a pipe under there. And I'm like, man, something up with the pipe. So, so we're going, turned out not to be any of those pipes. The Lord just wanted me to clean that part of my deck, I guess. But um, got to the other side and, and there's a drain pipe. And all of a sudden I noticed coming out of the drain pipe, it smells like death. And I'm going, oh man. So, so I start to look and, and the way it was designed, somebody put a low, which if you know drain pipes, they need to go down, not down and then up. Um, and so over time, this is, this is just collected and, and whatever is in there is in there and it's smelling awful. And, and so here I am, I'm ripping this thing up and, and I've got this in mind as I'm ripping it up going, this, this, this is what it, this is what it smells like when unwholesome talk comes out of our mouth. The idea behind unwholesome talk is this, that it's, it's a rotting, rotting carcass. It's rotting flesh, rotting fish. That, that it says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of it. So I, I got thinking like, okay, this idea of rotting and smelling, how do we, how do we really take this and go, okay, in our daily life, we're going to use it this way with one another. Or this is an image that I hope sticks with you, right? So when we were in Canada, speaking of things that smell, Canada doesn't smell, but... Um, just some people. Um, but in Canada, there were seasons. And you would, be, you would step out of your house. You didn't even get to drive in your car. You would step out of your house and go, whoa, they are spreading manure. And sure enough, you would drive down the road and they would be spreading manure on the fields. But here's what happened. The haze kind of fills the place when they do this. And it feels like the entire country smells like manure because they're spreading manure. But, but what got me was the image because this is what it looks like. I mean, it's just like, right? There's just manure everywhere. They call them muck spreaders, right? So, so they just like, and muck is everywhere. It got me, like, as I'm studying this, I go... That reminds me what it is like when we choose to use unwholesome words, when we choose to let rotten carcasses into the air, when we go, and all of a sudden it's over everybody and they smell like rotten carcass. I won't say the other word. Um, but the idea is this, that when, when, when unwholesome talk comes out, it is spread and all of a sudden, whoever it is spread to, they now have to deal with the rotten carcass stinking manure that you just handed them. How about, how about this, right? So, because if we go back to the verse, it says, it says, do not let any unwholesome talk. By the way, that do not let really means like in the original language, do not let. Like bar up so it can't come out. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Okay, let's back up because there's a context. Context is first three chapters. This is who you are. If you said yes to Jesus, you're a part of the church family, right? If, you, if you're here and you're going, I'm in, I'm all in. Okay, I got some good news and some bad news because the first three chapters are, this is who you are in Christ. It's all good. And then you get to this one and he goes, hey, do not let as someone who is that live up to your potential and do not let unwholesome talk. Do not be a muck spreader. So now when you're sitting with somebody and they begin to let on house and talk, I go, I got to stop you there. You're muck spreading and I don't want it to get on my clothes. I don't want it to get on my soul. Because he's saying, do not let unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Do not be a muck spreader. 
But only, only what is to come out of your mouth, only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that, they, that it may benefit those who listen, but only what is helpful for building others up. So, so, so don't, let, don't let that come out, but only what should be found on our lips as a church family, only what is helpful for building others. This is construction language, right? This is, this is full on construction language. The idea is that there's an incomplete building that you're walking into. And the idea is that when you leave that, that construction site, you're going to leave it more advanced towards completion. Now, now flip that context to one another. The idea with it then is that when I come into contact with you, what happens is the words that come out of my mouth, this is a construction site. My words are raw materials. I get to build up into you. So, so, so the idea is now that I build up into you. Why? So that you move closer to completion because you spent time with me. The idea is that I build you up. Now my house, I told you guys this before, but I got four girls in my house, five with my wife, right? There's a whole lot on my DVR of uh, those remodel shows, you know what I mean? Um, and what's interesting on the remodel shows is everybody's always excited about what? Demo day, right? And there's a new one where they flipped it, where, where it's, um, no pun intended, desert flippers, right? But she likes demo more than he does. She's all pumped about demo and he's like, I don't want to get hurt. Um, but, but here's the thing. When you go in to demo something, this is a great tool, agree? You're going to take this in and we're going to swing away. Why? Because we are tearing that thing down. But here's the other piece. You could also use this to build up. This tool can be used for building. And here's what's interesting. The tool doesn't determine the usage it is put to. The person holding the tool and the person that wields the tool and the motivation of that person determines how you use this tool. Whether you are going to demolish something or whether you are going to build something up. The same is true of your words. Every single word has the power to demolish something or to build up. So the question is, when you go into a relationship and you go to talk to that person, are you in there to do demo or are you in there to build up? Because I got news for you as a person who is a follower of Jesus, but only, only, what is the only thing that should be found on our lips? Things that help to build who? Others up. That's it, church. Like, like there's nothing else that should be found on our lips. That the only thing that should be found is what is helpful for building others up. The only thing I can do with the sledgehammer is go in and build. The question is, have you been using it to demo? Who have you demoed lately? How are you using your words? Because you've been given a tool that is extremely powerful that can build up or it can tear down. This idea of, but only what is helpful for building others. Can you imagine, church, just for a sec, if every conversation went like this? Hey, you know, you know Sally Joe, which if there's a Sally Joe in the room, we're not talking about you. <laughs> or you know Jim Bob, and, and you go, hold up, I need to stop you for a second. 
is this going to be helpful for building them up? Or they start talking and you decide, you have to decide. I'm going to, we're, we're calling time right here because what I feel you're doing is you're going to demolish Sally Joe and Jim Bob to me. And so I'm going to stand in the gap as someone who is a follower of Jesus and go, you know what? I need to stop you there because this is not helpful for building them up. And we're on a mission to build people up. Our job, our purpose, our, our interactions with one another is to build up. You ever notice how, how much we love, we love when the conversation goes, did you hear about? There is something innate inside of us that desires to hear the gossip. There is something inside of us that goes, no, what they do? And all of a sudden, this string comes out that tears them down. And now you're sitting with it. What do you do with it? Hey, did you, did you hear about? And that person goes, no. Why? Because something innate inside of us is built there. It's inherent. That leans one way before it leans another. And what, what this is saying is as someone who is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ and placed into the body of Christ and, and is given a fresh identity, we, we are the ones that have to go, I need to stop you because I don't want to know if it's not helpful for building them up. If you are not about to praise them to me, I don't want to know. I don't want to know. Could you imagine our life groups if we did this? Could you imagine a life group? They'd be totally different. Instead of life groups being something where you're all on the same page about that person, it would be, you know what, I, I have to stop you there because this is not who we're called to be. This is not what we were designed to be. But only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs so that it, it may benefit those who listen. You ever, you ever notice like the benefit, like, okay, so it, it's all about the others who are hearing it. It's about benefiting them. You ever, you ever had those friends that when they leave, they bring you more joy than when they came? Yeah, we don't want to be that. Next verse. And do not, okay, this is in the context of words. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. So, so he's saying the Holy Spirit indwells you and you, with the use of your words, can grieve, which means to cause great sorrow, that you can actually grieve to the point of great sorrow, the Spirit of God that indwells you by the words and how you use them that come out of your mouth. Now, I, I, got, I got a theory on this, and if you don't like it, you don't like it, but do... Yeah, you just don't like it. That's okay, right? We don't have to agree. But you remember the thing about speech? Speech is breath that comes out of our body and it goes through our apparatus and makes noise. Um, you ever seen somebody who is in deep sorrow so much to the point they can't catch their breath? You ever seen that? Like their sorrow is so heavy they can't catch their breath? Um, when, when Genesis chapter three, when, when God's putting this whole thing together and he breathes the breath of life into humanity, the idea is that every single breath that they inhale and exhale would be the very breath of God going in and out of them. And, and what gets me with speech is this, that when, when I'm so busy breathing out stuff that is toxic and rotten, that what happens is there's no room for the Holy Spirit to breathe out. And the Holy Spirit is grieved to the point. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can't breathe in that moment. The Holy Spirit can't breathe out for me and complete what I was designed to do. 
And this is the point, right? The, the, the role in our life is to make much of him and let him work through us. What it's saying is when we choose words in such a way that are harmful, hurtful, destructive, when we choose words that are the most hurtful thing that I can lob in the room, then what he's saying is that the Holy Spirit inside of you can't breathe in that moment and do the very thing that he's in you to do. Your words matter. Next verse. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slant. Man, you guys came on the right day to church. <laughs> right day. Uh, it's getting depressing. It'll get better. Um, get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Get rid. You know what the word get rid of means? To take out. The picture is to take out the trash. You bag it up. What do you do with the trash when you bag it up? Hopefully you don't leave it in your house because you just like the smell of it. Right? Hopefully you go... I'm going to pick it up. And where am I taking it? I'm taking it to the trash can. And I'm taking the trash can where? To the curb. Why? Because when that gets picked up, it is never coming what? Back. The same word idea is here. Get rid of all bitterness. Bag it up. Fill your trash bags. Take it out to the curb. It's gone. Get rid of all bitterness. Bitterness is this, that you had somebody somewhere that said something to you in this context and it crushed your soul. And it kept crushing your soul. And over time, you've built this I'm hurt thing, but here's what you do with it. In your words, you decide that you're going to take the same thing you were given and you're going to give it to them. You're trying to pay it forward to pay back what was done to you, but instead you're paying it to the wrong person. You're paying it to them. And now they're in the same spot you are and they're carrying the same thing. Um, Context this happens all too often is, is when divorces occur. Something happened, something was said, one person's left carrying something, they move into a fresh relationship. When they get into that fresh relationship, guess what they do? They carry the what? The bitterness that's inside them, they carry it into that and they begin to breathe it onto their, their new relationship, their new spouse. And then what happens is, too often, is if it doesn't get that far, it gets breathed onto the kids and the kids grow up with the same things that they had. Why? Because the trash was never taken out. And what we're called to is we're called to get rid of it. Did you notice in this, by the way, these aren't options. This isn't like, hey, yeah, you know, you guys, it'd be really good if you like tried to do this. That'd be really, that'd be really like sweet. We'd really make a difference on the planet. No, no, no. Do not let. That's the command. Get rid. That's the command. Right? Why? Because God really, really, really cares. I believe this with everything I got. Really, really cares about holiness, about justice, about who we're becoming. That I believe God cares about those things and I believe he cares about them deeply. I was just having a conversation recently um, with a friend of mine, actually, it was with Brother Jordan who sits behind the sound um, booth every single week. And he was saying, man, I was reading numbers. He goes, you ever read, you ever read numbers? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, man, it's blowing my mind. I said, well, which regard? He goes, the holiness of God. We don't get who God is. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, well, I'm reading it and it's the Sabbath and they're told not to do this. But the guy goes out and picks up firewood, which he was told not to do. And God kills him. He said, because he cares that much about holiness and about who he is. I think God really, really, really cares about how we carry ourselves when it comes to our words. I believe that God wants us to have holiness in our words. I believe he wants to have life in our words. I believe that he cares about every single one that comes out of your mouth. And I hate that I'm preaching this message with my wife in the room. (laughs) 
We have intense conversations sometimes. Intense fellowship, somebody called it once. Um, and I hate it when I'm winning. Because when I'm winning, it feels good, right? But do we ever really win, gentlemen? Let's be honest. Um, but she flips it on me every time because she does this. I don't care what you're saying because it's how you're saying it. Oh, kidding me? God cares about that moment. I'm a better man because I had a faithful woman by my side who would call me out when I'm muck spreading, who would call me out when I'm using words in a way that aren't the way they should be used. And we need faithful people. That's why we're in a body. We need faithful people that will encourage us. You know what? Ah, can, can I help you? Because your words are coming across really bitter. Can I help you? You need to take out the trash. Man, that's a faithful friend that will tell you to take out the trash. And so it says, get rid of all bitterness. Rage, by the way, man, God is working with me on rage. Okay. He gave me a dog. And what that dog loves to do is I get home. He's 10 months now. I get home and that dog, he doesn't bark at me instantly. He wags his tail and all cute, right? So give him his love, whatever, eat dinner. And then I sit down and wouldn't you know that dog comes every single night and barks at me and will not stop. And he actually steps up his game because if I don't listen to his barking, then he bites my knee. Like, and I don't mean like just bites it, like bites it. So what he's looking for is me to get up and like, it's on then. Like we're going to play, right? He wants to play. He's got all this worked up. He needs to get a job is what he needs to do. Um, but what God has been working on me with is there are times church when what God has taught me is there is rage inside of me. And what I mean by rage is this, it's an intense moment of passion that comes out in anger. And there are times when I'm great, like I'm ready to play with him. There are times when I, that's the last thing I want to do. And guess what it comes out to towards the dog? It's not playing, it's full on rage. And God's going, there's still a whole lot I need to do in you. And so I gave you a dog. And what God's been challenging me with is take out the trash. That's not okay. That's not, I called you for so much more, John. That's not okay. Anger is this long lasting resentment that I haven't dealt with, this long-lasting resentment that I'm holding on to, that I, that I will not let go. It's like I, my heels are dug in. I, that person is still in the wrong and they'll always be in the wrong and I'm angry. And God's going, you got to take that trash out. Brawling, this one cracked me up because when we think of brawling, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a fight in the pub, right? Like it's a brawl. Um, and so like, I'm picturing the like early church and these fights just breaking out. It's just a full on like bar fight. Um, sorry, it's my imagination. Um, but what this actually means is when, when you, when you get together and you're arguing loudly, like everything is loud at each other. Um, everything is around. It says, take out the trash. Slander. Slander is when you take somebody's name and you completely demean it. You cut it down. You, you essentially, be, and it, can I, can we just be super honest for a second? One of the biggest places this happens is in life groups because you get in a life group and, and it's just your peeps, right? It's your life, which is what it should be. It should be community, but community can also turn toxic. And slander is one that happens a whole lot in community because here's how it goes, right? You begin to talk about somebody and before you know it, you got a whole group that agree the same thing. 
But even worse is when we do it under the guise of like Christianese. You know what I mean? Like you're sitting there and you go, hey, can we pray for Sally Jo? And then you unleash a string of slander against her. That's not okay, church. It'll never be okay. We have to clean up our trash. Along with every form of malice. Next verse. Be kind. It shifts now, right? So it's it's gone. Do not let rotten stuff come out of your mouth, right? It's talked about that only for what's building up, only what's good for constructing. And then it switches from there. It goes into actually what the rotten stuff is, like the root of it, the, the root cause of our words. And he goes, get rid of that. Take the root out, put it out in the trash. It's gone. And then it comes back and it goes, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Be kind. Be kind. Be gently pleasant. Oh, what do those words sound like? Let those wash over you for a second. That if every word that came out of your mouth and the people with you was gently pleasant. That you're compassionate. Compassionate is the idea of tenderhearted, which means that I see the emotion in the other person. I see their emotions and and I'm going to speak words that reach them to where they are. I have you in mind. Have you noticed anything in this passage, by the way? It's all about others and not me. Every single word is about somebody else being built up. It's about being kind, compassionate. And then this one, like, okay, forgive each other, right? We could say that. And then the argument breaks out. Well, how much should we forgive each other? Should it be 70 times seven? Or what are we talking about here? Look at what he qualifies it with. Just as in Christ, God forgave you. He qualifies it with this, that that when you forgive somebody, you set them free and you may go, they don't deserve it. Um, Can I take you to a cross where a savior bled out for you and your savior, you did not deserve it. And he took it. So, so the idea is that just like he forgave you when you didn't deserve it, that even though you're sitting here going, you don't know what they did. I know what I did to my savior. And I guarantee you what they did to you is not as bad as what I've done to my savior. And he's forgiven me. That's the benchmark. The benchmark is that we look at the cross. And so if we're talking about, well, they don't respect it or they don't, they don't. Hey, Joe. Sorry, I almost hit you. I just, <laughs> they don't respect it. They don't deserve it. You didn't deserve it. I didn't deserve it. And by the way, if you sit here and you go, man, John was preaching at us today. Can I tell you I'm preaching to myself? I get to do it five times today. I'm preaching to myself. Why? Because there's way too often I hold something, say they're not worthy of that or they don't deserve it or they don't. And God takes me back to a cross and goes, neither did you. That's what you forgive based on. Why? Why? Because you will not use words that are free until you see a savior that has freed your soul. The way this works, and we're going to close with this. Um, Band, you can start coming up. You won't bug me at all. The way this works is this. It's easy to hear this and it's easy to walk away. Can can we do something? We're going to sing together. Can, can Can we begin to analyze our own souls? Can we begin to go ask a couple of questions? Maybe this is a good start point. God, where have I, where have I, where have I not lived up to these verses this week? Where have I spread muck, so to speak? What areas of me need to change based on your word? And then a follow-up question is this. Who closest to you wishes you would change really, really fast? Because that's probably the person you're hurting the most with your words.
But just those two thoughts, God, what in me needs to change? Who in this, who in this wants me to change now? And so I'm going to pray and then we're going to sing, God, I come to you. Come before you, God, you are the mighty God who sits on a throne. God, it's days like this when I'm just thankful that you didn't, you didn't sugarcoat it. You didn't hide it. You didn't try to placate it. You didn't, you just said it like it is. God, you expect us, you expect us to have control of our mouths. You expect us to use words to construct, to build up. God, would you, would you in these next moments burn into our souls what we need to carry? God, would you show us people where that's been happening, where it's evidence of God, when we use words to build up that you've done mighty works, would you show us those people? God, would you also show us those that we're hurting with our words? Would you give us the courage to take out the trash to get to the root cause? What we're holding onto that we shouldn't be holding onto, God, maybe we need to write a list and take it to the trash physically. But God, would we let go of what we're holding to so that our words may bring life? And God, would you allow us to show Christ and what you have done to us and how free we are to every single person we come in contact with? We love you. And everybody said, Amen.